Thank you, Sam. Give it up for Sam. Good job, Sam. And so I stopped, and there were several people throughout the day yesterday that's like, oh my gosh, you got to tell the rest of that story. And some that were like, I can't be there tomorrow. How am I going to know the rest of the story? So I will not let you leave today without telling you the rest of that story. However, I will say it is toward the end, so I'll have to skip some middle things if I packed in too much, but I won't skip the end part of that today. But if you would join me, then I would like to pray as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this group of people. And uh, once again, we just thank you for the people all over the camp today. We thank you for the staff and the people like Sam who are making um, things happen that seem to be unseen things, but without them, we would have unheard things. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for Kendall and Jennifer and the incredible work that they are doing and all of the many people that it takes to put this together. Thank you for your presence here. We can just feel your presence all week here at this camp, in this tabernacle, and throughout the buildings. We ask this morning that once again, whether it's people in Patton Lodge or here in the tabernacle or the kids in the various locations that they are, that you would meet each one of us right where we need to be met today that the words of all of the people who are speaking today would just um, take a back seat to whatever it is that you want spoken, that our thoughts and our words would fully be yours, that you would prepare the hearts of every person uh, for whatever piece of it um, that each one of us needs to hear this morning. Make our hearts tender to your word. And we just love you and thank you for the honor of being able to praise you and worship you and learn from you this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. I told you that I love stories, and today I am starting with some of your stories. I'm not going to be saying names of these people, but since um, I started on Monday and sharing some things, and we were, we've just been talking about the, the everyday moments throughout our days, that God finds purpose and he does things in thing, within things that we just think are maybe insignificant little happenings. And yet that's when he has great purpose and he uses us in those moments. And so after I've been finishing up here, a lot of you have been coming up and sharing some things with you, with me. And I want to share some of those things with you guys just so that you can hear about the cool ways that God is working in our lives when we are open to him just uh, filling us and using us even in some very difficult times. So someone approached me and this goes along with the purpose and the pain and just God um, being able to communicate with him. He came up and he said that his home had burned down and wow, where is God? What is happening now? What, um, what, where is this going to go from here? And he said when he went and he looked up at his house and he showed me a picture. And on the top of the house, there's a cross that's left in this um, wood. And he said to him, that was a reminder and an affirmation that I am still present in this difficult time. I am here. And whoever that person was, if you want to, are they here today? You don't have to say, but if you want, um, he, could, he could show you this picture. It's super cool. I was going to ask him for one, but this isn't going because I wanted to show you. But um, just to be looking and aware for those signs that some people might just call a coincidence. We, as Christians, we know better, right? Those are not coincidences. Those are ways of God speaking to us and working right there in that very painful situation. Um, another woman shared with me, this was such a cool idea, that we may think, at the time, I think we think, well, this is just something normal kind of thing to do, but it turns into something with, that God uses in such a purposeful way. She, started, she lives in a neighborhood, and she started putting um, flowers. She just like planted a bunch of flowers in her front yard, and then she opened it up on Fridays for anybody in the neighborhood 
to come and pick the flowers and take them home with them. And during that time, she goes out there. So this isn't just uh, let's um, go down to the neighbors and pick some flowers. She, she is out there during that time. And she was sharing just how so many people are, they, they're sharing their stories with her. They're sharing some of the struggles that they're having with her. They're sharing triumphs with her. And some of them are coming back weekly, and she's building a relationship with them. That is purpose, right? That is purpose that God is using that in incredible ways. We talked about that whole, it doesn't have to be a lightning bolt thing, right? We all look for this grand, what's my purpose? Do-do-do-do, drum roll. This is, this is just an everyday moment, something she took the opportunity to do, and God is using that for purpose. Another woman had lost her identity and her purpose when her husband died, and she didn't know where to go after this. She felt like her, her whole identity, all of her ideas, everything that she did was in her, with her husband, and she slowly started reaching out and working with some single moms. And in that, started building relationships with their children. And she began doing this ministry with these uh, single moms and pouring into them and their kids. And she said the, the relationships just blossomed. She was sharing Jesus with this group that needed her so badly. She needed them too. But she found purpose in that. That is just an incredible thing that she was open and God's like, here's a purpose for you. And again, not a lightning bolt thing. It was something that's right around her. We all have those people right around us who need us. And God wants us to use us for his purposes. Another woman, and I hope I'm saying this right, another woman who lost her husband and she also was wondering how how to move forward. What does that look like without her partner that she's had for so many years and the, just the, everything that they did was, was as one. And she said she felt God in almost an audible way say, choose life. And so she intentionally looks for that life every day with purpose and is watching for ways for God to join her for her to join God in revealing what those purposes are. Those are just a couple of the stories that I'm hearing. If you have stories, please share them with me. It is so wonderful when we can share our testimonies and our stories with one another. It encourages and builds each other up. It gives us ideas too, right? I mean, we can take things and go, oh, wow, that's a great idea. That's a need that I didn't see. I can do that. And so his purposes are just abounding. They surround us. They are woven within the very fabric of our days when we choose to join him in those moments. And those moments sometimes just seem to be mundane and blah and all that kind of thing, except like Ruth and Naomi, they did that one step at a time. It was just their life. Their life was difficult. They had very challenging things in front of them, and yet they were willing to say, I'm just going to take one step forward, not even realizing the purpose that God was unfolding in their lives. And that's what it can look like for us as well. I'm going to have you look at your, we're going to do a little review before we dive into this morning, but on your sheet, I'm going to have you do a little review on what we have covered the last few days. And so take a minute. Some of these aren't maybe word for word on how I said it, so you may have to think a little bit. See what you can fill in, and then we are going to just open it up and see if we can all agree on some of these answers here. So take a minute and fill in what you can on those.
All right. Psalm 139. And if you remember, we had that big list of all the cool ways that God created us. He had us in mind, and he intentionally made us. And we talked about Psalm 139 teaches that we were created on purpose and for a purpose. Very good. On purpose and for a purpose. Matthew twenty two thirty seven teaches us our top priority, our main purpose, our overarching, we call it umbrella, the overarching umbrella, which everything else just flows underneath, is to what God and what others. Love God, love others. Yes, you guys are on top of it, even though it is Wednesday morning. All right, this is good. Okay, this one, God, this is about what we talked about yesterday. God will use our what for his what. They both start with a P. Pain. God will use our pain for his purpose. And that is a difficult one. We spent a lot of time yesterday talking about that and the pain that Ruth and Naomi had endured, but the great purpose um, that we saw come out of that. And our purposes are wrapped up in Everyday moments, yes, everyday moments. Wow, you guys are listening. This is very cool. I like that. All right, we're going to dive in. When we question God's plan, has there been a time in your life when you knew God's plan and purpose for a particular part of your story, so you kind of knew the direction he was pulling you to, but then you just started to question it? You start to have all these different emotions and thoughts come into your mind where you're like, ah, I don't think so. This, that I don't think I'm really ready for this. I don't think I'm equipped for this. And so maybe you didn't do it at all. Maybe you didn't listen to the little Holy Spirit voice that was inside you. Um, or maybe you buckled down and you did. So that is what we're going to talk about today. Um, several years ago, I was, Todd and I were heading to a License to Preach School. So this was a, a Methodist church um, school where you could go get through some training to be a pastor and get this license to preach. And so we had both been feeling very called and led to do this. And it was a pretty big commitment. There were, it was going to go on for several months, several uh, weekends. And we were like, yes, we're going to do this. We were excited about it and ready to go. So we took the kids, a lot of the kids were young, we took them to where they needed to be on our first week away, and we went down to this retreat center where this would be happening, and we checked in and went back to our room to um, unpack our stuff, and they told us when to meet for the next session, and I suddenly just had this panic come over me. Has anybody had that ever happen to them? Yeah, okay, I've seen a lot of nodding of heads. I was like, I am not, I can't do this. What am I doing here? I can't go to license to preach school. I don't think I'm equipped to do this. What, and, and I actually started physically having a reaction. I remember sitting on the bed just wanting to curl up in the corner and was like, God, this is freaking me out. I'm not, like, I need to get out of here. I do not belong here. And Todd, thankfully, um, he just sat down next to me and just talked me through this and prayed me through this process. That wasn't anything God was doing, right? Those were not godly thoughts at all. We knew what God wanted us to do. He had called us to this place, and Satan was at that point just pouring all of these negative things down on me. And so through prayer, because we talked about on Monday, just Satan is after us. He is a liar. He is a stealer of joy. He is full of deceit, and he puts these things upon us. But who is stronger? Yes, our Savior is stronger, and the truth is in here, and we can combat Satan with that. And our God is so much more powerful. And so Todd was able to implement that with me that morning and just able to pray and read scripture, and then we were ready to go um, for, the, for the rest of the week. There are 
times in our life where we experience that and to make sure that you're, you're pausing and you're going to the source of where the, who can battle for you, right? Because um, Satan wants to get in the way of our callings. He wants to get in the way of our purpose. And so he will put all these different emotions and things into our um, minds and our hearts. I am going to go to Exodus 3, and we are going to look at Moses. And I am going to blow through this pretty quickly on some pieces that I want us to be able to talk about in just a couple minutes. So Moses, in chapter 3, it says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, and he was leading the flock into the wilderness, and he came upon the mountain. And familiar story for most of you, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. It said, my version says, Moses stared in amazement. The bush was engulfed in flames, but it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go and see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. And so here is Moses in front of this bush, and God at this point is going to give him the instructions and the calling, right, that he wants him to be the ones to the one to lead the people out of Egypt. And so God it goes on to say how God explains this to him and says, so go. I'm sending you out to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. That's verse 10. We can count how many times this happens. He, think of this. Moses is out in the wilderness. He is talking to God whose voice is coming from a burning bush. And it says he protested. Okay, he protested. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? So God's, okay, he's a little nervous. All right, okay. It's okay. Guess what? I'm going to be with you. We talked about that on Monday too, remember? We were like, I will be with you. Whatever kinds of things you're going through, I will be with you. So he's telling that to Moses, I will be with you. And then he gives, says we're going to do some, the, some signs here. And so he tells him that. But then again, verse 13, is that 13? There we go. Um, 13, protested again. But if I go to the people of Israel and I tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, what is your name? Then what should I tell them? So God's like, okay, he's being pretty patient, I feel, here. I am who I am. So he, he talks him through, what, this is what you say if they ask this. Now go, 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 Moses, go. Again, starting in chapter 4, Moses protested again. But what if they won't believe me? What if they won't listening, listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never even appeared to you? So basically, like, come on, God, what if all these things happen? Please do not make me do this. Again, he's talking to God coming out of a bush that's on fire. And he's protesting and arguing, please don't make me do this. So in this point, the beginning of chapter 4, God does these these other signs, he does the shepherd's staff thing, he does where he, he puts the hand in the cloak, and oh my goodness. But he shows them all these things, but then in verse 10, it says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words, I have never been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I still get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Another excuse. The dude is just excuse, excuse upon excuse of why he can't go do what burning bush God 
is asking him to do. And so the Lord reminds him, Moses, who made your mouth? You know, right, I, I created you. Um, you're, you're good to go, Moses. You're, you're really all set. But Moses decides to give it another shot. Even after God says that, it says again, Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Anyone else. At that point, the Lord was ticked. The Lord was ticked, and he was, so then he explained, well, we're going to throw your brother in there too then, and he's going to go and do the talking and, and all this, and so it goes on to share that. So here is Moses, freaked out when God is asking him to do, do this job. Now, for those of us sitting here in 2023, I mean, I think we look at this and we're like, okay. Come on, Moses, you have to be crazy. I mean, how can you not trust the God that is speaking out of a bush? I mean, we're all sitting here and we're like, wow. I mean, if a big fire appeared out of that plant right there and a voice started coming out of it saying all of these different things and showing us different signs, we'd be like, oh, yeah, for sure. I'll go do anything, God. We like, that's how we like to think, right? We think Moses is crazy for questioning and questioning and then pleading, please, God, please don't send me, don't send me. And so we, we just have this feeling that we would do a better job than what Moses did. And yet, do, would we? Do we? Because we have seen God do many things in our lives. I've been talking with many of you, and I've seen him work in my own life, and yet so often I still have those voices, those things that are going on in my mind, like, well, really, Misty, can you do that? Um, oh, I don't know, should you do that? And so we still, we've seen the power of God, just like Moses has seen the power of God, and we still question a lot of times as well. I want you to take a minute. There's a second question on here underneath the part you just did, and it says, take a minute and consider a time or two when you doubted or were fearful to step out into something you knew God was asking. And just jot that down there. Has there been a time in your life, and you can go way back, or it could be something recent or something you're dealing with today, where you're feeling a little tug. And be reminded, these do not have to be Moses kind of purpose moments, right? These don't have to be go save thousands of people. This could be what's anything that God has prompted you to do that you've had difficulty walking forward with it. It could be a conversation with somebody, Then I want you to go down to the next question. It says, what do you think were the triggers that were keeping Moses from saying a big yes right away to God? Or what were his fears? Okay, we're gonna, I'm going to ask if you would say some of those out loud, and I'm going to jot them down. What are some of the reasons that Moses, and I want you to look deeper than the scripture, okay? So not, not just saying um, the words of, like, I can't speak very well, but what's at the heart of I can't speak very well? So what are the emotions that Moses is feeling when he's doing this argument, arguing with God? Fear. Fear. Oh, you guys are fast. Fear. Okay. 
Fear, failure, insecurity, Yep, okay, keep going. Doubt, yeah. Ooh, unbelief, unworthy. Lost. Any others? Oh, fear of rejection. Lost and fear of rejection. Oh, alone. Lack of confidence. Oh, yeah. I mean, fear for is going ahead of Pharaoh, so fear for his physical life as well, yeah. Right, so they didn't necessarily want to listen to him, yeah. Am I missing it? Did somebody else say one over here? What? Past sin. So, so wondering if he was worthy to do that questioning because of his past sin. Sometimes um, that certainly happens. We mess up and then we're like, I don't think God can use me now because I really messed up. So we have unbelief, fear, unworthy, lost, alone, failure, insecurity, inadequacy, Doubt, fear of life, rejection, lack of confidence, letting his past sin hold him back. All of these things are just ways that Satan, once again, he just tries to pound into us. God does this calling and has this purpose, and then Satan is over here throwing all these darts at us. And again, we need to go back and be filled with where the truth comes from. I want you to just think about, are we loving God fully if we aren't able to trust that he is equipping us for the calling that he has on our life? Are we, are we loving him to the fullest extent, extent if we're saying, no, God, I don't think so. I'm, I'm not going to trust you in that one. Is it loving to doubt that he's going to equip us for the call? I have to go back to what Jason was talking about last night, about that we've been invited to a banquet and we're all making excuses. Mm. Right, if you were here last night, yeah, that we were invited, invited to the banquet and make excuses on why not to show up. And that's a, a great tie on what is happening here. Excuse after excuse, reason after reason, why I can't move forward with whatever that is. Um, when I was little, my dad, he was, he was a farmer, and I used to love to work with him out in the barn. So as a I'm little 10, 12-year-old, I'm like, yeah, I'll go out there and I get to do some things with, with dad out in the barn. Well, on one particular Saturday morning, he said, he actually, I think it was on Friday night, he said, I have a, I have a job for you on Saturday. So I'm going to need you to get, get up, and we're going to head out to the barn and have a job for you. So I was like, okay. Instead of being like, oh, i got to get up early, I was like, okay, Dad has a job for me. Cool. There's going to be something that he's going to ask me to do to help him. I get to help my dad. And so... I got up on Saturday and got all ready to do this, and I walked out to the barn and thought, Dad, I'm, I'm ready. What do you have for me? And so he gave me this bag, and he put a hammer in it, and he put a handful of big nails in it, and then he gave me these signs that were about this big, and they were metal, and they were orange, and they said, what do you think they might have said on them? If they're... No hunting, yes. <laughs> they said no hunting. And so he was like, I need these signs put up on the posts over in that field. And this was not our field that was going around our house. It was down the road a little bit and then turn and go down another corner. I was going to have to go down this road and hang these up. 
And I was like, whoa, this is a big job. I can't believe he's asking me to do this. I mean, I didn't have a driver's license or anything. I was going to ride my banana seat bike with the cool monkey handlebars, you know? And so I'm like, wow. And so he's like, you're going to drive down to the field. You're going to stop at every one of the big telephone pole things. You're going to get out. You're going to hammer that in, go to the next one, and do this all the way down the road in our field. I was like, cool, all right. And I was nervous, okay? If I was a very tiny um, young lady, and so I threw the bag over my handlebars, and I just went out, and I got on my bike, and I was just, yes, I get to do a job for Dad. And went along, and I remember getting to that first pole, and just having to get on my tippy toes and just reach up there and, and pound as hard as I could this nail through this metal and have that up there. And I was so proud of myself. It's like, I'm doing the job that my daddy asked me to do. And he trusted that he had given me everything that I needed to accomplish this job. There was, although I was nervous at that time, there wasn't a question of whether I could accomplish the job. Why was that? Yeah, because I trusted that my dad gave me everything I needed. I trusted that he wasn't going to send me out to do something that I was going to flop at. I thought, if my dad thinks I can do this, then by golly, I can do this. I mean, I don't know. It seems kind of hard to throw a nail through this metal and into this um, pole, but he thinks I'm strong enough. These scraggly little arms, he thinks that I can do it. I'm not very tall, but he thinks I'm tall enough to get on my tippy toes and hammer this thing in. I'm a little nervous about riding down on my bike on the road, but he thinks I'm a good enough driver and safe enough that I can do this. He has equipped me for what he has asked me to do. And so I was excited to go and do that. How does that translate to us when God asks us to do something? We're, we tend to go back and be a lot like Moses where we think of all these reasons why. And time after time, God was saying, Moses, okay, fine. Here, I'll show you this sign. Okay, fine. Here's the answer to your question. Okay, fine. Here's another sign. And just kept going down the list. Here's the ways I've equipped you, Moses. I've equipped you in all of these ways, and you still are not trusting that I have equipped you. He had everything he needed everything he needed to accomplish that. And yet he was still fearful to go forward because all these things were coming out, being thrown at him. Think back on Psalm 139 that we talked about on Monday. And we need to take those, those truths to heart we need to remember we are created wonderfully complex. Remember how it said his works are what? Marvelous. He looked at us and he said, my works are marvelous. Look at you. Look at you. You're incredible. I've equipped you for this world. I've equipped you to do all of these great things. Please don't back out on me because I've given you everything that you need for my purpose. We need to trust. We need to trust that he has given us all that we need. We need to look in the mirror. Okay? I want you to look in the mirror if you have, I don't know if the cabins have them, but if you brought a mirror, go in the bathroom and look in the mirror. And when we do that, so often we stare in the mirror and we see the negative. We let these things come over us. We think of all of the mistakes that we've done. We think of, is that, is that person in the mirror really adequate? 
Is that person in the mirror pretty enough? Is that person in the mirror um, in shape enough? We think all these different things physically, but deep down we also are thinking those things emotionally. It reminds me of, this is going back a ways for a lot of us, but remember when you're a teenager and you'd be getting ready for school and you'd go up and you'd look in the mirror and then you'd be like, there's a big pimple that came out in the middle of the night and it is right there. And you look in the mirror and it's like all you see is this big pimple right there. And I think that's what happens to us when we look in the mirror a lot of times. We look in there and we're like, all we see are the messes and the mistakes and the things that are wrong with us. Instead of seeing the possibility, this sounds really strange, but the possibility in the pimple. We focus on the pimple, but we need to look beyond that and see the possibility because there's so much of that that God has blessed us with. Matthew 5.3 in the message says, you are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Do you know what Matthew 5.3 is? If you're here in the evenings, it's the Beatitudes. It's what Jason's been talking about. There, there's, it's been so crazy for me this week to see the way different things have been interwoven in the messages, and that's just a, a total God thing. And so when I, I read this verse this morning, during my devotion, this was one of the verses in it. And so I had to jot this down in here because that's just the way God works. And I was like, this is the Beatitudes. This is what Jason has been talking about this week. This is when he was talking about us needing to just be bankrupt, be emptied of ourselves. Because when we are at the end of our ropes, when we're barely hanging on, when we're looking in the mirror and we're seeing all these mistakes and this messed up life and the sin and the confusion and the fear and all these things are taken over, that's when God can jump in sometimes at the very fullest, in the best, best way. With less of you, there is more of God in his rule. Some of you are trying to write this down. It's Matthew 5.3, and it comes out of the message version. And it says, you are blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. One of the Beatitudes. Our messes and our sins and all the areas that we lack ability, our, our ideas that sometimes we start to, to doubt, there's never too much of that craziness, that chaos, for God to weave his ways right into the middle of them. He is still able to create a great, great purpose out of lives that seem so messy and sometimes so painful. We all have areas of in, our, in our lives that we are not confident, and Moses definitely did, right? And the last one he threw out there was, of course, his voice. It was going to be a huge job for Moses to go and explain this um, process and all that God was asking him to do to Pharaoh. And as I was reading through that and thinking about it, I was like, he figured he'd get tongue-tied, like I did with the I word. <laughs> if you were here earlier in the week, I could not say, what was the word? Intricate. Intricate. I could not say that word. And so as I was studying about Moses, I'm, that came back into my mind, and I was like, that's what Moses felt like. He felt like he was going to go up to, Moses, to Pharaoh and try to say these things that he was afraid he would mess up. And I have a feeling that Pharaoh probably wouldn't be as gracious as what you guys were with my I-word problem. So um, Moses was a little bit freaked out about that. But we need to remember that God 
equips the unequipped. He is faithful, and when he calls us to something, he will prepare a way for us to go about getting it accomplished. But we have to be willing. We have to be willing to take that first step, like we talked about yesterday with Ruth and Naomi. Reminding us again that it is not always the lightning bolt things. Some of, the, some of us here might be going through experiences that are like, I have a decision to make and it is huge and it is going to be life-changing, life-altering, and I need to make this decision. And where the purpose goes from there, you know, is going to look different one way or the other. If that is you, God is equipping you. He's not calling you to something that he's going to drop you in. I am with you always to the very end of the age. He doesn't call us and leave us. He doesn't call us and just point us in the right direction. He calls us and he fills that bag I had in the barn with my dad with all the right things you need. He gives you the hammer. He gives you the nails. He gives you the signs. He gives you a bike that works. He he has given you the abilities. And he says, you can do this. Yeah, it might be hard. It might be a hard journey that you're going to walk through. But I'm going to be with you. You can do this. I want you to think about some of the things, you can even close your eyes as I go through this. I'm just going to list off some things about something perhaps that God is calling you to, that he has purpose for you that maybe you're being hesitant on a little bit. Maybe part of your purpose next week is to contact somebody that you've been avoiding. He will give you the words and he will equip you Maybe his purpose is for you to forgive someone who's hurt you. He will equip you. He will provide a way for you to do that. Maybe his purpose is for you to begin a Bible study or a prayer group or a singles group. The list goes on. Don't avoid those possibilities. Don't spend time arguing with God like Moses did. Trust the one who is calling you to these purposes. Trust that those everyday moments that he's putting in front of you, those phone calls, those stops that people are doing at the garden in the front yard, those conversations in the grocery store, there's purpose. There's purpose woven within every single one of those things. My friend, Susan, um, works in Walmart. And I was stopped in there a few weeks ago. And she was um, off on her break, so it was great timing. And she was talking to me about all of the people that come through her Walmart cash register. So she's a cashier, and she does that eight hours a day. And she said, Misty, the stories I hear as a cashier. She said, there's moms who come in here and are barely putting things on the little thing that goes across because they don't have enough money. There's older people who are coming in here with a pile of prescriptions that they just had to spend a ton of money on. She said, they, they put the prescriptions, they're carrying the prescriptions, and then they put one potato on the conveyor belt and pay for it. On this one particular day, she said, there was a man that came through and he put a couple items down. And She said, I began talking with him. And I just started listening and chatting and we were just having a good conversation. And then I, I said goodbye and I said, you have a good day. And he said, turned around and he said to her, you were just the best part of my day. It's my birthday today. 
And she told him happy birthday, and he said, that will be the only birthday wish that I received today. There was purpose. We might look at it as just another day of work. It's not just another day of work. God's purposes are woven within those moments. When I received a surprise phone call from my doctor seven years ago telling me that I had cancer, Todd was not home. He was coaching. I couldn't reach him. And I had one younger son out in the living room. And it was a very unexpected, I had no idea I was even being tested for cancer, <laughs> um, kind of phone call on a Friday at 4 p.m. And I remember just going and telling my son, um, I need, I just, I'm just going to go lay down for a little bit until Dad gets home. And so I went to my bedroom, and I couldn't reach Todd. I sent a quick message to my two sisters, and I said, I don't know if either one of you can talk right now, but please um, call me back. And one of them was able to immediately call me back. And she just started talking. She started listening. She started breathing with me. I was having a panic attack. I was on my bed, and I was like, Monique, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. I think I'm dying right now. And she took me through this process. Just breathe, praying with me, talking with me. And she did that until Todd walked in the door. Purpose. Purpose, that was God's purpose for her being unfolded right there on the phone. God's purpose. In the early days of our marriage, we had started in full-time ministry, and we were frequently struggling financially. There was a lady um, who brought boxes of food to us every month. And I mean, this she would go to, her church had this um, food pantry thing, and she would go for us, and she would just fill it up. And my boys crack up laughing about this because when they were young, she would show up carrying this giant box, and we'd be like, the food lady's here. <laughs> the food lady's here. And she would come, and she would bring it in, and they would just start going through it. And some of it they thought was disgusting. There was like some canned meat and different things that they were like, Please don't make us eat this, Mom. And then there were other things like, she brought cookies. She brought some gummies. And so they had a ball going through this. A purpose. Purpose. Oh, my goodness. That lady was a lifesaver for us. It, was, it brought joy to us. It helped us financially. It helped us provide for our family and just... The idea that she was thinking of our family. Purpose. There were times when we would receive just random checks in the mail. Purpose. God had laid it on somebody's heart. One time I specifically remember getting the exact dollar amount in a check that we needed for a bill that we were trying to pay. Purpose. One time somebody gave us a van. Our family kept growing. <laughs> and our vehicles were smaller than what our family was, was growing to. And they gave us a van. Purpose. They were listening to God. They were listening to God. And this, again, we go back to yesterday we were talking about how we're always looking for that light bulb moment in the sky come down dear lord tell me what my purpose is for life the purpose is in the everyday moments the purpose is in the phone calls the purpose is in the going to work and being the lady who listens to someone the purpose is listening to that voice that says this pe these people down the street need some financial help they need a gas card they need some food purpose Going back to yesterday's story is where I'll wrap up today. 
my boyfriend and I had been walking through Meyer, just to recap a little bit, looking for that pregnancy test. And when we went back and the next morning took that test in his dorm room, it came back pregnant. And I told you how I just, we just kind of stared at each other. We were full of <laughs> all this and more. A lot of this. We were very unequipped. We felt unequipped for any decisions that need to be made. We felt unequipped for any of the things we would do with any of the decisions that we would need to make. So we were filled with fear and unworthiness and failure and insecurity, doubt. They were consuming us. And yet, God was still there. He would take this and weave his purposes through this. We were frightened, had no idea what it would look like to be a parent, let alone a spouse, if we would decide to get married. So the next couple months were a whole nother story that I can't fit in today. But the whole next couple months were so challenging. They were talking to parents and telling them, my parents are both here, by the way, back there today. Mom and Dad came today. They were conversations with parents that were very difficult. It was conversations with siblings that were difficult. It was difficult conversations with each other because there were times during those couple months we didn't agree on the direction that we thought that we needed to go. And so there was friction and breaking up. There were, there were times in there that we created and caused so much pain for each other within that time frame. It was probably one of the most painful times of my life. But God was still there. He would find purpose even in the midst of that pain and that confusion and all these emotions. He would find purpose even when I thought, God, I'm sorry. I know I stepped out of your will, but this is where I am now. Now what do we do? And he's like, Misty, I'm big enough to go there with you. I still have purpose for your life. Within that couple months, we decided finally that we would um, agree to get married. And so within six weeks' time, our parents prepared a wedding for us. <laughs> My boyfriend, now husband, and I have been married for 39 years. We both uh, finished that college that I was talking to you about, my plan. I had the plan. I would go through college in four years and graduate. I, would, I had a tennis scholarship, and then I would maybe get married a couple years after college when I had a job and all these things. I had a plan. I knew my purpose. And God was able to work in it differently. So we got married. College still happened. It was just five and a half years instead of four. I continued to play on the tennis team so that I could keep my tennis scholarship. Our parents in our Christian community at our church, the one we still go to, just surrounded us. They mentored us. They walked with us. They provided for us. We had a community and a family of people that walked with us on that journey. We wouldn't have been able to be where we are now without the family that we had and without that Christian community that poured into us. That was their purpose. They didn't know it, but at the time, they were fulfilling God's purpose in our life. We could go back and we could make a big list of names and specific times that people during those really challenging first years 
blessed us. It was their purpose. They might have just thought that it was, uh, here we're giving Todd and Misty some leftovers from the potluck after church. No, there was purpose in that. We needed some food, you know. <laughs> we ate a whole lot of meals at my mom and dad's house. <laughs> so our grocery bills were very low. Um, those kind of things. There was purpose in what they were doing. And there was, God was able to use purpose in the way that he unfolded things. That baby, that baby, he is a 39-year-old man now who loves the Lord Jesus with everything he has. He is married and has our two grandbabies. From there, we went on to have four more sons, all of who love the Lord like crazy and are serving him through their ministries and through their families and through their work. God finds purpose. He makes a way. He makes a way. I want you to remember that today, that our purposes are just wrapped up in what seems like everyday moments. And sometimes those moments can be very painful ones that he uses, very trying ones. And yet God says, bring it on. I can do this. Do you trust that I'm big enough? Do you trust that I've given you the right equipment, the right bag full of stuff to take on your journey? Are you going to trust me to take that next step? All of these people who poured into us and all of the examples that I was giving you today, they're all examples of people going back to what we said here of loving God and loving others. That's where our purpose starts. We find ways to love God and to love others. And from there, he is going to trickle down and do these incredible things through just our daily, daily lives. We don't always see the big picture. We see the the trauma or the pain that we're in at the moment. But when I was in that dorm room and we were staring into each other's eyes and we were freaked out and these things were overwhelming, God already knew where I was going to be on August 2nd, 2023, right? He already knew it. I didn't see that as a possibility at all. I saw myself as a really messed up, insecure person who had stepped out of God's will. But he took it full circle. And he will do that for every single one of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for, wow, working within our everyday moments, for using people in so many incredible ways when, when they are open to it. Lord, make our hearts open. Make our hearts open to the person sitting at in the dining hall today who we are sensing is a little bit out of sorts and maybe lonely. The person on the park bench today that maybe needs a conversation or a prayer. The person sitting alone in tabernacle time. Or Lord, so many people are walking around this place and I, I know there are marriage struggles represented. There are health struggles represented. There's loneliness represented, depression represented, questioning of our parenting abilities represented. All these things are within the lives of the people right here on this campground. Lord, open our eyes that we may see as you see. Make our ears hear as you hear so that you can carry out your purpose through us today as we leave this place. Equip us, anoint us, lift up our step into that one step of trusting you as you lead the way. We love you so much, Jesus. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Um, bef before you go today, um, I w wanted to let you know, some of you are aware that I am 
um, writing a book and I'm waiting on it at the publisher right now for printing and the great anticipation was that it was going to be here for you this week. Um, and I was hoping to share that experience with you, but it is not done. But I have an email list that I'm that I send out a devotion every month, and that email list will also include you on the updates of that book. So if you are interested in that, then see Missy over there. And also on the card that she has you fill out, please write on the back if you have a prayer request. I love praying. I find a joy and a blessing to pray for people and to contact people and figure out how those prayer requests are going. And so please, it is 100% confidential. Jot something on the back, and I would be happy to be praying with you about any of that. And as always, as well, I'm here for the next few days, and if you need to talk or would like some prayer about something, I would love to do that with you. Jen, do you have anything else? No? Okay. Have a fabulous day.